The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. And welcome back, everybody. Episode 52 of the Announcer Schedules Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gill, along with Phil DeMont-Mullen, the voice, the face, the handle at Announcer Sked. Don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe. And if you hit that subscribe button, don't forget, you'll get free podcasts for the price of one, and they're all free. Of course, last word on sports media with TJ Reeves. That drops on Wednesdays. Uh, tell me a story I don't know with George Offman drops on Tuesdays. Our pod, the Announcer Schedules podcast, which you're listening to right now, generally drops on Thursday. We're on Friday this week, Phil, because we've got a special guest. You probably recognize her voice all across the country, and that is Kate Scott. And we are happy to bring, well, I would know her as the voice of the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, because I'm in the Atlantic City area, but many people would hear her all over the country, uh, NHL, college football, soccer, and she's going to be doing NFL football now as well as we welcome Kate Scott into episode 52 of the Announcer Schedules podcast. Welcome, Kate. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you today? We are excellent. It's uh, great to have you on. Uh, you are now the uh, lineage of Philly broadcasters. We had Mark Zoom <laughs> off on not too long ago about his new podcast. Tom McGinnis was on with us right around Christmas time as he was telling about travel during the holidays for broadcasters. And we know Ooh. this podcast is all about journey. So, Kate, where did it all start for Kate Scott as a little girl <laughs> wanting to get into the broadcasting world? Tell everybody kind of where you first kind of decided, you know what? I want to do broadcasting. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, you guys. It's great to be on, and thanks for everything you do. Uh, well, it started far from Philly and Jersey, that's for sure. started on the other side of the country. I grew up in Central California, so Fresno, Clovis area, for those of you who know the big state of California, uh, and was a sports nut from the time I was a little girl. Watching sports, playing sports, refing sports, I did everything. But uh, I'm an 80s baby, so at that point, there was very few women on TV talking about sports. So I actually didn't think that this was going to be a career as I was getting ready to uh, send in my college applications because this was before everything was digital. You actually had to do it paper-wise. And I was walking to the office as a junior in high school and ran into one of my favorite advisors. And he asked me what I was doing. And I said, I think I'm going to go into teaching. I want to impact the next generation. And he said, well, Kate, that's great, but I just want to point something out to you. Um, you've played four varsity sports since your freshman year. You're the editor of the sports section of our high school newspaper. You're on the microphone leading cheers at Friday night football games. You're on the PA at men's soccer games leading, you know, he's like, so maybe you should think about 
sports journalism of some kind. <laughs> and I said, oh, Mr. Schmossel, that's a really good idea. I hadn't thought of that yet. But again, this is late 90s, so I could count on one hand. I'm sure you guys are right there, right? Leslie Visser, Andrea Kramer, Bonnie Bernstein. Like this was before Michelle Tafoya. Hannah Storm was just getting started. So there was very few women doing this. So I just never thought that it was something I could do. But thankfully, because of that, went to UC Berkeley, went to Cal, and started to investigate communications and journalism. And about a million steps later, here we are. But I'll let you get back in, because obviously I could talk about this for a long time. But it started in Central California, playing sports, loving sports, and, and a great interaction with somebody, Mr. Schmazel, who's still in my life today. Well, Mr. Schmazel uh, created the first woman, well, not created, but uh, helped push <laughs> the first uh, woman to call an NFL game on radio, uh, Pac-12 Network, play-by-play announcer of the first ever all-female NHL broadcast, and obviously uh, one of the first uh, here, in, well, the first in Philadelphia to be the primary voice. Uh, let's start there for me um, with the Sixers because that's your full-time job. Uh, getting that yeah. call to replace Mark, who obviously abruptly retires, he comes out of nowhere, and decides I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore, and here comes Kate Scott. You had chronicled <laughs> on his podcast that you know in the beginning. It was a little, uh, you know, you had some hate coming at your way, but it seems that that has dissipated. But tell us a little bit about all the stuff that you did, and then you make the decision, I'm going to go for the Sixers job and then getting that call. Yeah, gosh. Well, all the stuff I did, I mean, it's it's too long to list, but it started in print journalism, and then I thought, again, because I'm so old, I could be a sideline reporter or a sports anchor. I thought those were the ceilings for me. Thankfully, I've had a lot of male champions along the way because you guys know this is this is a male dominated industry and guys are making a lot of the decisions. Um, but one of the guys that I worked with at Cal got asked to produce a high school football package right after I graduated. And he said, hey, Kate, I want you to try play by play. And I said, Paul, you're effing crazy, dude. And he said, yeah, yeah, whatever. Nobody's going to be watching. All the dudes who I'm asking have never called anything before. This is where you start, just like athletes. You start at the high school level. And you progress from there to the college level. And then if you're good enough and want to keep going, maybe one day you can progress to the professional level. So that's what I did. High school sports in the Bay Area for play-by-play. Then got hired by the Pac-12 Network, called everything there. Was also calling stuff for NBC Sports Bay Area. Was calling A-10 Hoop for uh, NBC, this NBC Sports Network that obviously uh, went away a couple of years ago. But that's how that led to the hockey thing. And I was doing radio football with Mike Golick when I got this gig. So anyway... Just always saying yes to opportunities, continuing to ask for critique from my producers, from the people who were in charge of the stations I was working for. How do I get better? What is the next step I need to take to continue to progress as a broadcaster? So was calling a ton of high school stuff, college stuff, then started to get nibbles at the professional level. Um, and then Mark, as you said, abruptly retired. I've known Mark for a couple of years. I talked to him because he's written a couple of books about sports broadcasting and he reached out to me since women were starting to do this so we'd actually connected a couple years before but i like you guys never expected zoo to retire when he did and i remember because he did it by writing that letter for nbc sports philadelphia's website and i remember saying out loud when i read it man whoever tries to follow this guy's a freaking idiot <laughs> and then later that day my agent calls and says hey kate did you see the zoo retired think you should think you should apply for this. And I was like, of course, because I'm the idiot. Um, but again, uh, I never expected the Sixers or really, if I'm being completely honest, any professional organization to be ready yet to hire a woman. Right. 
Um, but the Sixers and NBC Sports Philly, to their credit, invited me to be a part of the process, made it through the interview rounds, invited me out to Philly to audition, just like everybody else. Uh, and apparently they really liked what they heard and saw. Um, and multiple people since then have gone out of their way. They haven't had to say this. Um, but but they made sure in my first year to say, Kate, I want you to know you were the best broadcaster, period. You You don't hire somebody at this level to look good. You might hire your daughter to call your high school basketball team's games. But you're not hiring somebody to be the voice of a very well-known, respected franchise in one of the biggest leagues in the entire world if they are not ready for this. So I really appreciated that they said that because I was confident already. Obviously, I've needed a lot of self-confidence to get here, but that that really helped put me over the top. And I knew it was going to be difficult for anybody who followed a yeah. legend like Zoo, right? A Philly native. Um, so I knew all of that. And to be completely honest, I'm surprised at how quickly so many fans have come around. I gave myself three years. So the fact that so many already came around in year two means I'm doing something. Right, right. I was going to say the evolution of when you began and to where you are now, how different is the reception from your from your end? I know you, you mentioned you did you were pretty candid on Mark Zumoff's podcast mm-hmm. uh, about the beginning. Uh, but how do you feel that that has kind of uh, evolved? Yeah, it's again, it's been remarkable um and i credit philly fans and sixers fans all over the world because uh you cannot force people to accept you right you can't tell people what to think or do (laughs) as we all know we were all teenagers at one point if you tell me what to do i'm going to do the exact opposite probably just piss you off but (laughs) uh, you just have to give people time and space to accept things especially when they're new and different and like i said when i first got hired i knew that for most fans I was probably the first woman they'd heard hear, heard call anything. And now all of a sudden I'm coming in to call their beloved Sixers. Like that is a huge change. And I knew it was going to take people a lot of time. And I knew it was my job to do the work, do it to the best of my ability. And if people came around and came on board, great. But again, me telling them to do that wasn't going to help anything. All I could do was continue to get more and more comfortable in this role, learn the team, learn the city, learn everything I could, and continue to get better. Um, so, you know, I, I think credit to the fans. Um, I think that I have made huge strides since my first couple of games here, understandably so. Uh, moving across the country, there was so much going on behind the scenes that people don't understand and understandably don't care about. So. Uh, I'm so happy to be here, loving being here. And I'm grateful for all the all the steps that I took before this because, as I also said, it wasn't a Philly thing. It's not a Sixers fans thing. Change is difficult. So when I called NFL preseason in 2016, there was blowback. When I called football for the Pac-12 network, there was blowback. When I called the hockey game for NBC, you know, so all of those things, I already had thick skin, but they just toughened me up even more. So I knew what to expect coming here. That never makes it any easier, but I knew what to expect. I knew that I just had to do the work. And now here we are. Kate, thanks so much for joining us. You're entering your third season now as the the voice of the Sixers. Tell us a little bit year one versus year two, you know, year one, COVID a big part of the equation, oh. monitors, all these things that broadcasters had to deal with, not to mention just getting settled in, you know, with new city, new mm-hmm. fan base, new job, new colleagues, all these things. Uh, compare and contrast year one to year two. <laughs> yeah, Phil, they're almost um, incomparable. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, I don't know, like a month into to season two last year, getting a ton of notes from people. <laughs> 
apologies. There's a, a thunderstorm right now. My dog's not a big fan it's of pouring, thunder. by the way, Phil, here uh, on the East Coast. It is. I can hear it coming through uh, up on the roof here. You good, you good, Pipes? You good? Trying to do an interview. Come on. Let's, let's <laughs> All right. All right. Mama. I had in my Come notes to ask about Piper the dog, by the way. Well, it, and here she is. She's she's leaning into the conversation. Well, and oh, she'll make the the mentions for this week's show as well. We'll, we'll get her in there. <laughs> really? Um, so, yeah, it was – and people were saying, gosh, she sounds so much more comfortable. And I wanted to respond, uh, you think? <laughs> because, again, uh, it was COVID. So a lot of things that help you feel comfortable as a broadcaster, talking to the athletes that you're covering, interacting with the coaches – following practice, all those things I wasn't allowed to do because of COVID. In addition to that, trying to figure out a cross-country move. Uh, I was in the midst of calling a national college football package with Mike Golick Sr. So I was still traveling all the way through almost December every weekend. Um, So that was difficult because I'm trying to prep for a college football game and also try to get caught up with the NBA. Um, And I was putting a lot of pressure on myself as well to try and be as good as possible, as quick as possible. And understandably fans heard that and said, man, it sounds like she's trying too hard. And the truth of the matter was I, I probably was trying too hard because I just wanted, I wanted people to, to know who I was, but you know, it was probably gripping the wheel a little bit too tight. So year two, so much difference. We had started finally traveling with a team in February of my first year. That helps you get to know guys better. Started being allowed, going to practice started to just you know know philly a little bit more know the fans a little bit more get to know all a little bit more all the things that just help you settle into any job let alone a job that is live television in front of hundreds of thousands of people so yeah it was night and day and you know at the end of this season we obviously faced the brooklyn nets in the first round of the postseason which we call and ian eagle huge fan of his i think he's one of the best broadcasters around right now asked how it was going same thing And I said, man, night and day from year one to year two, but I'm really looking forward to year three because I feel like that's going to be the one where I've got it all now, and now I just get to do play-by-play. I just get to settle in and be me. And he said, it's funny you said that, Kate, because year three was the year I really felt like I really started to settle into things. So can't wait to hear you. And and hopefully that comes true because I'm really looking forward to year three. And meanwhile, in this offseason, two big announcements and they came back to back Kate you know first this uh Seattle Seahawks naming their preseason NFL television crew uh you're going to be handling play-by-play for those games in August and then in July the Women's World Cup yeah. I mean what an opportunity for for any broadcaster to be able to to get a chance here I know you've got a bunch of background in soccer as well but would love for you to tell our audience about both of these opportunities and how meaningful they are to you yeah, it was a very busy week last week, that's for sure. <laughs> I said, is there any way we can space out the announcements, everybody? <laughs> um, but incredibly humbling. Um, you know, as as I told you guys, I was obviously working my way up on the West Coast for a couple of decades before I moved out to Philly two years ago. Um, so the, the, the Seahawks front office folks and communications staff and PR people knew me, knew me very well because of my work with the Pac-12. I was in Seattle and Washington and Washington State and stuff a lot. Um, and Kurt Menefee, who'd been doing their preseason for a number of years, just too busy. Obviously, Kurt hosts Fox's Sunday NFL coverage, and he's doing a bunch of other stuff now, and it just got to be too much for him. Uh, and they reached out, and I was blown away. You know, obviously, 
big Eagles fan now, um, but uh, it's a business. And if an NFL team, again, like an NBA team, if a pro team calls you and asks if you're interested, uh, the answer is usually, heck yes, uh, where do I sign? So really flattered and excited about that opportunity. And yeah, the Women's World Cup, uh, it's it's a dream come true um, because I grew up playing soccer. That was my travel sport, was going to play in college, tore the meniscus, and that actually started my broadcasting career sooner than expected. But in, in uh, retrospect, a blessing in disguise, but it was always my dream to play in it growing up. Uh, that dream has shifted, but now to get the opportunity to to potentially be, you know, the voice, the soundtrack to a player or a country's huge World Cup moment. Um, you know, I'm kind of getting chills just just saying that aloud again. So really a dream come true. It's going to be a busy summer. I'm tired actually just thinking about it. I'm calling NWSL National Women's Soccer League Soccer right now to get back in the soccer calling rhythm to prepare for that. But again, huge opportunities, really excited about them and really excited about hopefully what they can do for other people who don't look and sound like a lot of the people who've been calling sports for a long time, because you guys know that's huge to me, uh, trying to open as many doors and minds of people in and outside of the industry who are fans uh, to to let them know that anybody who loves sports and is prepared can, can do this, even though it might look and sound a little different than it has before. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Yeah, congrats on, on those two opportunities, Kate, and I think it's going to accomplish exactly what you just mentioned there. Well, you go from the NBA to World Cup soccer to the NFL, then back to the NBA. You've also <laughs> called college football, as you described, with Mike Golick, the NHL, uh, baseball, uh, you name it, you've done it. Um, we talked to a lot of broadcasters about the following, you know, shifting gears from one sport to the other in the mechanics that are involved, the, you know, uh, the preparation that's involved, ultimately the execution that's involved. Can you Tell us a little bit about that, how you kind of get into these different mindsets and perhaps how the different sports present different challenges. Yeah, uh, they're all very different, as we all know. Um, and people often ask me, why do I, do I do so many different sports? Because they are so different. Um, but that's one of the reasons that I enjoy calling all of them. One, because I love all the sports. I wouldn't call them if I didn't love them. But because I think they do, I learn something about myself as a broadcaster calling each different sport. And now that I'm so in tune and so aware of the the fine margins that I'm now working in at this point in my career, you know, hopefully there's no more big leaps. There's just little fine tuning you need to do to go from good to, to great in each different sport. I feel like they inform each other um, the way that so I'm calling soccer right now, as I mentioned, and obviously in my opinion, on television, it's a much more quiet sport than than football and basketball because uh, it's a slower paced game. You have such a wide shot. And because you can see, once you identify the players the first five, 10 minutes of a match, I don't need to be calling every single pass until they're towards the attacking third of the field, as we call it in soccer. And even then, I don't like to over talk and do a radio call, which is more of what we do for basketball on, on television because the, the ball moves so quickly. But in soccer, I really like to 
just maybe say the last name of the player and let their play do the talking. So very different. And then a lot of silence after goal calls because you want the reacts, right? Um, So a lot more silence than we're used to than feels comfortable calling basketball and even football on television. But I like to let those things inform my other sports and how can, well, I really liked using that word in this match. How can I use it in basketball? Obviously, you're probably not going to use lovely and wonderful and delicious when you're calling a basketball game, but maybe there is a spot for it, right? Um, so I always like to to try to weave those together when I can. Um, but if not, just try to use each different game and match that I'm calling to say, okay, what did I learn from this broadcast? Is there anything I can take from it into the next sport I'm calling? Or is there just any preparation, any way I was able to cut some time off my prep? Because you guys know that's where the majority of time is spent that I learned prepping for this sport that I can carry into this one. Kate, uh, you mentioned, you know, as Phil just has football, volleyball, men and women's soccer, men and women's basketball, <laughs> softball. Um, tell us a little bit about that all-female NHL broadcast and hockey, because to me, Ooh. you know, I've done a lot of sports, um, yeah. and I can probably jump in and do whatever, but I've tried hockey. I'm not trying that one again. So where's your <laughs> hockey uh, background in terms of calling that? Because to me, hockey is a different level. Oh, it's it's the hardest sport, Mike. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, in regards to the zoo conversation, I raise my hand. I'm an idiot, guys. I say yes to ridiculously big challenges. Uh, and I actually said no originally. So NBC called. I've been working with them, obviously calling A10 Hoop and calling WCC and other men's hoop out in the Bay Area. And they said, you know, we have this crazy idea, an all-women's NHL broadcast. Every position is already filled by somebody who works full-time in the NHL except for the play-by-play spot. We want you to do it. (laughs) And again, I said, okay, you guys are effing crazy. Uh, And no. And they said, said, yeah, we expected that. So you said no originally. I said no originally, but I didn't hang up on them. I thought about hanging up on them, but, you know, it's the mothership. It's NBC. So I thought that probably wasn't the best idea. And they said, yeah, yeah, we know, Kate, but we just, we want to lay this out for you. Again, every position is filled. This is not a promotional stunt. That was another thing I pushed back on. I said, you guys, I don't want to be part of a PR stunt. I only want to do this if it's really good or as good as it can be. And they said, we understand that. Every single woman except for you works in the NHL. And we think it is so important, if just for one day, to show hockey fans, to see, show young girls growing up in this sport, you can do this. You can't, it's not just being an analyst like Kendall and AJ, the Olympic gold medalists who I worked with, who were covering the NHL at that point. He said, we want to show them camera operators, directors, producers, graphics, and the only role we need to fill is play-by-play. And we know through all your other work that you are going to prep your ass off and you are going to find a way to make yourself a play-by-play announcer for the sport because you are a professional play-by-play announcer. And then they, of course, dropped the, you know, Al Michaels had never called hockey before the 1980 <laughs> Olympics. And I was like, you guys are not seriously putting Al Michaels and me in the same sentence. And they're like, no, but we just wanted you to know. The reason we gave Al that assignment was because he was a young, uh, up-and-coming play-by-play announcer who we knew was going to put in the work and learn what he needed to learn to call that sport. And we're going to do whatever we can to help you prep for it. So thing is, I did know the sport of hockey. So my dad and I, growing up again in the Central Valley, California, the Fresno Falcons minor league hockey (laughs) team. Oh, my gosh. Talk about fun Friday and Saturday nights, right? My dad was loving the fact that it was probably $2 beers. I love the fact that between every period, I could go down, the guys would walk off, I'd get pucks and sticks, and there was fights because, you know, it was minor league hockey. These guys were awful. I could probably skate faster than a bunch (laughs) of them. But it was so much fun. 
So I learned hockey that way. Then the San Jose Sharks were launched out in, I, I grew up a Bay Area sports fan and they became the Bay Area hockey team. So I started following them. They started off great. Um, so I actually grew up loving hockey and understanding it. It wasn't cold turkey that I was diving into the sport, but you guys know. There's a big difference between watching a sport and calling a sport. But but to NBC's credit, they, they flew me to a number of different NHL arenas to call fake games behind the scenes after every game. They would critique me. We would work on things. So uh, I still wish my goal calls were better that game. But uh, but I was I gave myself like a, a B minus, maybe a B for that game. Because what you said, Mike, it is so hard. It's radio. You have to call every pass. You can't look down at your board because the guys have helmets on. All you know is their numbers. They don't have numbers on the front. Like in football, at least you have the two-sided numbers. They have their mask on on the front. So it was an incredible challenge, but I actually had a blast once I called it. Um, so so who knows? Maybe there's more hockey in the future. Very fast uh, that sport goes. It moves, <laughs> it moves, fast. it moves. Uh, you worked with uh, Mike Golick, as you mentioned. Uh, I had yeah. Golick on my radio show and he went out of his way to talk about how much fun he had and how different your broadcasts were. Mm. What was it like doing that college football package with Mike? Well, I'm glad that the checks are still clearing and he's still saying nice things about me. <laughs> uh, no, it was, I mean, we're still buddies. We text all the time. Um, and I know that I would not have been as confident coming into the Sixers job uh, and as excited to be here if I hadn't actually been working with him at that time. But we had an absolute blast. So Learfield, who's kind of the Westwood one of the college sports level, right? Um, they wanted to launch this new college football package, college game of the week in the afternoon evening time where there's usually a break because the early morning SEC and ACC games are over. Pac-12 isn't starting until later. So there was a chunk that was kind of open in the radio schedule during the college football season. And they said, hey, let's launch a national kind of game of the week because Saturdays are meant to be fun. That was the motto. And they really wanted it to be fun because they didn't want it to be just another broadcast. They wanted us to give people who were just flipping the dial a reason to stay on a Colorado-Arizona State game, even if they were driving in Alabama, a reason to stay on, you know, a, an Ole Miss-Tennessee game, even if they were driving in Washington. Like, grab the listeners, have fun. What the heck am I listening to? Uh, and then call the football game in addition. So – we had so much fun. I mean, we had a game on Halloween where he dressed up as Moses. I dressed up as Moses' beer. He was giving uh, commandments throughout the broadcast. One of them was thou shalt throw to your 6-6 tight end in the back of the end zone because he's going to win that jump ball every single time. Um, but it was it was amazing. And it showed me, again, that I can call football. I can call it at a high level. But I can also be myself because I think as anybody who listens to Sixers games knows I love to have a good time. So they were pretty much asking me to be myself. And Mike, as he told you, it was the most fun he'd ever had broadcasting because he always had to kind of be the serious football dude. And now yeah. all of a sudden I was getting to pull the goal look that we knew from his days on ESPN radio in the morning out. Um, so it was a blast. It's still going. Now Mike Golick Jr. is doing the games. He's passed the baton to his son. So yeah, it was a blast. And I have no doubt that it it prepared me and got me in the right mindset to to call Sixers basketball. Well, uh, we always like to leave uh, our guests uh, with an opportunity to kind of share maybe some travel snafus or where you have <laughs> some. Uh, I know when you first started, I don't know, I don't remember this year as much. Uh, yeah. that you had some conflicts with the Pac-12 
where mm-hmm. you didn't do some of the Sixer games early in the season, but where you have to multiple things going on and the travel brings you all over. Uh, do you have anything fun that you can share for the listeners of the behind-the-scenes life Ooh. of a play-by-player? Because we always take for granted the play-by-player is yeah. there, and they got there on plenty of time, and it was all mm-hmm. perfect. So uh, do you have something you can share with the listeners? Except for the time when you're stuck in the Denver airport for seven hours and you're really you're just seeing connection after connection get canceled. And love you, Denver. But I have never had more trouble <laughs> than that beautiful airport. Thankfully, there's a lot of restaurants and bars in it. And I think I maybe visited every single one that day. <laughs> um, but I think some of my the most fun were actually uh, because so I was doing the, the radio package with Golik, actually, when I started the Sixers gig. And that was the reason I had to miss a couple of games at the beginning. Cause I'd signed that contract and was still continuing it. But because we had places to get back to ASAP, we were usually in the car together at three or 4am on Sunday mornings, driving to the airport together. And we'd be rocking out to seventies and eighties rock. We'd be listening to smartless podcast. <laughs> we'd be taking selfies with each other at gas stations. So that was that was a blast, but there have been multiple times where I've learned my lesson. I'm sure you guys have too. Whenever you can as an announcer, you try to get in the night before because there have been very hairy mornings where you think you're on the 6 a.m. and then it gets pushed to 7 and 8 and 9 and 12 and your game's at 7 that night in another state. And you're thinking, holy cats, how am I going to try to make this? Um, but luckily I have not missed a game, knock on wood, Never. just yet. And now, now that I'm traveling ever, with the Sixers, it's gotten a little bit easier. Have you ever got the call because somebody else missed the game and weren't available? Ooh, that's a good question because I know that that's happened to a lot of other people. Oh, we've had a lot of those stories where people got their break because somebody couldn't make the game and they happened to be in that region and they got the call. Yeah, yeah. Well, not not – uh, with that little time to spare. Um, but that was actually how the NFL stuff started back in 2016 was because of the Rio Olympics. And Ted Robinson, who was the radio voice of the 49ers at that time, calls diving at the Olympics. So Bob Fitzgerald, who's the voice of the Golden State Warriors, who does radio usually in the preseason while Ted pops up to TV, uh, popped up to call it on TV, and then the 49ers needed a radio voice. So you guys know every every little break like that matters, and I still give Bob and Ted uh, thanks and credit for helping me crack that little ceiling and get my foot in that football door. So, yeah, uh, but I, I have been grateful, actually, the last couple of years. Shout-out to Matt Murphy, who's the G League voice for the Philadelphia 76ers, and I've been really excited that because of those games I missed at the start of my Sixers tenure, Matt was able to do some games on the radio with Tom McGinnis stepping up to TV and uh, got real sick at New Year's this year. So Matt called another one. And and for me, I love lifting up other people in this industry because it is a family. It is a really small community once you get into it. So anytime I can help out others, that, that gives me a whole lot of joy. Well, she's Kate Scott. She's the voice on television on NBC Sports Philadelphia of the Philadelphia 76ers. She'll be entering her third season. I know it sounds crazy, right? You are the voice of the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, amongst other things. She'll be doing the Seahawks uh, in the preseason, and as Phil uh, mentioned as well, the Women's World Cup is coming, and uh, she has done it all, and she is a real trailblazer, and we were lucky enough to have her on episode 52 of the Announcer Schedules podcast. Just a little slice of Kate Scott's journey, and you met Piper the dog as well. Kate, (laughs) Thank you so much, and we look forward to continuing to follow your work. 
Thank you guys for having me, and thanks for everything you do. Seriously, all of us out here appreciate it. Keep up the great work. There thanks, Kate. Kate Scott, everybody. Uh, we appreciate her jumping on board, spending some time with us here, Phil, on the Announcer Schedules podcast. Now, that's a journey. Yeah, that was outstanding. Really compelling to, to learn her journey and all these opportunities. Until, you know, I, we started to do a little research for this and, and obviously talking to Kate, I didn't realize there was quite the the breadth of experience in terms of all these different sports and so forth. Uh, hearing, you know, her NHL experience, uh, uh, her experience with Golik, um, and obviously, you know, as a trailblazer, as one of the, the very few women, you know, who call play-by-play on this level, um, just outstanding stuff from, from Kate and hope our audience enjoyed it as much as we did. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.